0: Welcome to Beyond the Call, the podcast for all law enforcement professionals and all those who support them. Sponsored by the National Police Credit Union. We mean police business. I'm your co-host, Ken Bader, with co-host, Casey Smith. Casey, how are you?
1: A little winded. Just <laughs> ran up three flights of stairs from the fire alarm. But other than that, really good Monday morning so far. Well, well No well. Complaint.
0: Well, we're glad you're safe, and we're also yes. and we're also glad that you got in a little exercise today. So that's kind of like... Exactly
1: a, right. I got um, my steps in.
0: There you go. <laughs> now yeah. you're done for the day. You can sit behind a desk. Uh, but, exactly. <laughs> but we're also glad to to have another perfect guest on Beyond the Call. Today's guest is Matt Kubler, uh, who is not only a U.S. Army veteran, but a 25-year career cop, uh, a relentless entrepreneur... Uh, and a selfless servant to all of God's creations. He's a full-time police officer. He's the COO of Max Out, which we're going to have to hear about, a sought-after public speaker, and I really want to know what he does in all this free time. Matt, welcome to the show.
2: Hey guys, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. It's a pleasure.
0: No problem. Glad to have you. Hopefully things are going well out there in Pennsylvania. Uh, a yeah. <laughs> uh, little but, rainy today, a little rainy today,
2: but it's good. Yeah, we,
0: we we had our rain in Southern California a couple days ago, so now that means we probably won't have it again for another 322 days, but uh, what are you going to do?
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's Stop <life>. bragging.
0: It's <laughs> life in L.A. County. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, we, we've had the distinct pleasure to have a, a few military veterans on this show, and, and, we, and we love having them. Uh, thank you very much for your services. We, we always point out to, to any uh, U.S. military veteran. Uh, but tell us a little bit what the transition was like from being in the U.S. Army to going to law enforcement.
2: Well, I mean, it was a long time ago. Um, I got out of the army in '93. <laughs> I'm sure, you can remember. <laughs> I, I can. It was. Uh, it was during a real weird period of my life. Um, my brother died the month before I went into the army, mm-hmm. and uh, he was autistic. Mm-hmm. Um, he was my older brother, and he, he died in a car accident. So it was. I was in a real bad spot um, when I went into the army, mentally and emotionally, mm-hmm. and I never really got out of that spot for a long time. Um, I was kind of in a. Um, Depression, I guess, for lack of a better word. Um, yeah. Now with PTSD being what it is, um, I, I can guarantee that I had PTSD because it's that that unknown, that unprepared shock. Right. Um, that's what PTSD is. You know, people that aren't prepared for what they what they witness and see, their mm-hmm. brain can't handle it and it traumatizes them and it puts them into different states. And for me, it was a depression. And so when I was in the military, you know, I, I certainly um, made the most of my four years. I was Army Intelligence. Persian Gulf war station in Germany, um, highly decorated. Um, but I was doing things with a, with, with a lack of focus or purpose. I was just sort of flying by the seat of my pants with everything that I did.
1: Yeah. Um, I was young,
2: which I think goes with that as well. But I think the lack of, um, direction in my life, cause I was still pretty angry sure. um, about what happened to my brother. So the transition component wasn't necessarily any different than, than what I was doing in the military, except now as a cop, um, and I always wanted to be a cop. So that wasn't something necessarily uh, off the wall for me. You know, ever since I was six, I wanted to be a cop. So when the opportunity presented itself to get hired, um, you know, I finished number one on the test. So that made it very easy for them to hire me. Sure. Um, and it was in a town outside of Philadelphia where my grandparents lived, a small town, less than square mile, one square mile Wow. the town is. And that's cool thing about Pennsylvania. And, and the bad thing is there's more police departments in Pennsylvania than any other state in the country. Wow,
0: I wasn't aware so, of
2: that. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like
2: like every small municipi- municipality has their own police department for the most part. Mm-hmm. So the department that I got hired in which had 5,000 people in less than a square mile had eight officers and I was one of eight that got hired. So um the transition wasn't as difficult as if say I was going into a large city police department or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was going into an area where I was, you know, it was nearby my hometown. So it wasn't, um, that foreign to me. The hardest part of the transition was going from, you know, hard charging, uh, flying by the seat of my pants, you know, go kill them type army guy right. to more of a, I had to fit into a box in a small community, and learn my, my way around that community and, and be accepted by the people in that town. And uh, I was a senior laden police department, a lot of veteran guys. So I was one of the, the young bucks and, you know, having the attitude that I had
0: <laughs> wasn't
2: necessarily <laughs> yeah. welcomed um, as much as, as I would have liked. So Didn't was, go over as
1: well. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, from from what I've read, you've you've served in a number of different roles in law enforcement, from uniform patrol, investigations, undercover narcotics, SWAT. Um, can you tell us how you transitioned from role to role, and if you have a favorite aspect of policing that you enjoy the most?
2: Well, like I said, with Pennsylvania, so um, it's it's a lot different than say Los Angeles, um, sure. where. We have Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department and Los Angeles Police Department. Right. And each other in are individual entities that have all those different entities within them. Mm-hmm. Um, in Pennsylvania, a lot of our, our larger type things like SWAT and narcotics and things of that nature were handled by a county level um, task force. Because there's so many small departments that they don't have the resources on their own to be able to support right. a lot of those okay. things. So as a, I was always a uniform cop. That was always my full time job to be on mm-hmm. patrol. Um, answering calls, responding to domestics and all that kind of stuff.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but then there was additional duties we could do um, working for the drug task force where you did undercover narcotics,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, not as a full-time job, but as case by case basis. Right. Um, SWAT was a regionalized SWAT team. Mm-hmm. So we had multiple departments that made up a regionalized SWAT team mm-hmm. and we trained together and then we would respond to calls within our jurisdictions that are, are represented within, represented within that regional SWAT team. Um, so the transitions into those areas weren't necessarily difficult because it was just an additional duty to what I was doing on a daily basis. Sure. Um, the, the biggest transition for me was when I left um, police work, local police work, to become a federal air marshal after 9/11. Mm. Um, that was, you know, obviously right after 9/11, yeah. terrorist attacks using planes as weapons. Mm-hmm. Um, President Bush recreated the. It was the U.S. Sky Marshal program prior to 9-11, and he created the, the newfound U.S. Federal Air Marshal program, and I was one of the first hires after wow. 9-11 um, in the buildup of that program. And that was, that was very different, because that's now federal law enforcement and a brand new agency, and um, the training was intense. It was Delta Force and Navy imagine, SEALs were yeah. at our training It was tough and it was, but it was amazing. I loved every second of it, but that was a tough transition.
0: Right. Right. Did you get to fly any place cool as being a federal air marshal? (laughs) We flew over the world. (laughs) Really? Um,
2: Yeah. Yeah. So the the, the mission of the federal air marshal service is to fly on anywhere that a U.S. commercial aircraft will fly. So we could, I was in the Philadelphia field office. um, And and when I was in, we weren't necessarily an international hub. Uh, the Philadelphia office, we would go on rotation for internationals. Mm-hmm. Um, New York and DC at the time were, were the international offices for the East coast. Right. Um, today, Philadelphia is actually the international office mm-hmm. um, for the East coast. But back when I was there, we would do like three months out of the year, we would be on an international rotation. And then the rest of the time we flew domestic um, four to f- three to four flights a day. It would wow. be on. Yeah. And I, I counted every, I kept every one of my boarding passes and I Jeez. did 4,238 flights in wow. four years and three months.
1: My God. Did you get to keep the miles or anything? <laughs> That's a big negative.
2: Ghost Rider. <laughs> The only thing we got point. was hotel points.
1: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been really nice.
2: But... Oh, I'd be able to fly to Tahiti on the weekend. If <laughs>
1: exactly.
0: I had. Yeah, I fly. Now, can... Go ahead.
1: No, I, I was just gonna say before you had dug into your next question because we weren't really gonna broach this topic, but we've talked a little bit about um, uh, mental health on previous episodes and right. things like that. And you brought up your PTSD, and I was just wondering if, throughout this process, if you ever got an opportunity to to seek treatment or or anything.
2: I'm a I'm an anti doctor guy. Okay. With everything I do, I don't go. I mean, I literally <laughs> don't go to doctors. Uh, oh, All home remedy. I need to. Yeah, and I um, it's not some of it wasn't healthy. Um I, yeah. I, I drank a lot during that time. Mm-hmm. Um I was, you know, taking a lot of like ibuprofen and, and asked for headaches and it was eating my stomach and yep. um the answer is no, I did not get help, but but what I did get was and I and I know this isn't a religious show, but um I'm a firm believer in God and yeah. I was shown grace by God and mm-hmm. it allowed me to come out of that um, and it's weird I tell this almost every time I talk but my brother was my best friend and my whole purpose in life was to protect him because he was autistic and he stuttered and
1: right. um,
2: when he died my purpose died hmm. so I was searching my whole life after that either to take asking god to take me mm-hmm. or give me purpose mm-hmm. and when my son was born 13 years after my brother died I named him after my brother and for whatever reason, my, the week my brother died, my mom and stepdad were on vacation, and I was staying with friends. And my brother was with my grandmother. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, she kept all his clothes for 13 years mm-hmm. that he had. She had been washing. And mm-hmm. a couple of months after my son was born, um, people were over to give gifts to my to my wife for the for mm-hmm. him. And, mm-hmm. you know, normally, as us men, we're not involved in that process. <laughs> right. <Sure>. <laughs> Usually, <laughs> a onesies and and <laughs> things like that. Yeah. Not that interesting. So but my grandmother asked me to be in the room and she handed me a box and in the box was a quilt. And I didn't care about yeah. the quilt. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know why you're giving me this. So I gave <laughs> it back to her. And she looked at me with that look. I, I knew very well when I messed up and she handed it back to me, said, look at it. And I did. And, and what I ended up touching, feeling and sensing was, was my brother's person. Um, Cause they were made, the quilt was made out of his clothes. Yeah. yeah, that she had kept. So that day was my grace from God, and that night I went down and I I cried and I wrote twenty six thousand words of memories, which turned into my book mm-hmm. that right. is about my brother. So mm-hmm. to answer your question, I did not seek help, but I was given help, mm-hmm. and every day since that day, I've asked for God's guidance to help me live out my purpose. Right. Um, and the book was ultimately my therapy. Yeah. Mm-hmm three and a half years writing a book, reliving your life. Yeah, living the loss and the pain and all that stuff that came with it and then the detailing how my life was so screwed up afterwards. Mm -hmm. It really allowed me to just as a cathartic way to heal myself. Um, And I'm that's just the way I'm wired. I have to do things myself. I Mm -hmm. I, I don't, I don't necessarily receive help well.
1: Right.
2: And I'm a guy that just has to find solutions. And so I, you know, probably could have been dealt with 13 years earlier. But
1: (laughs) I'm here now and this is how it happened. Yes. And I appreciate you sharing that because I know a lot of our listeners and our members, police officers, they're they're very similar in that way. And I think it's nice to to be able to identify and that you still were able to persevere and find that uh in God. And I think that's important. So thanks. Mm
0: Yeah, as I was uh, talking to um, Sean Douglas, a uh, uh, guest uh, a couple of shows ago that we were uh, fortunate to have, we were talking a little bit about mind hacks and, and the, the way that the, the mind works. And you know, while I'm not a things happen for a reason type of guy, I never have, I, I do believe in the science and chemistry of the brain and that, if we rewire and begin to, to try to train ourselves to think a different way. And some of us, and including myself, you know, use the Bible or or use, you know, some type of, of of religious foundation. Um, And that in and of itself helps. So I'm I'm glad, I'm glad God didn't um, take you up on your offer to take for, for him to take use of, so that you can be on our show and do a lot of good things with us. I'm, uh, I'm thankful too. <laughs> yes. Speaking of the good things, uh, as a fellow entrepreneur, I'm, I'm excited to hear about uh, the businesses that you founded, which include your, your speaking and mentorship program, uh, as well as max out strength systems. Tell us more about, about these business pursuits.
2: Well, let's start with Max out. That's the one I've been involved with since 2009. Sure. Um, first off, I, I highly recommend nobody start an entrepreneurial type business during a recession. Not a good idea. Um,
0: I, I did it or, and I'm still here, but go ahead.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, I'm still here too. Um, but I can tell you that that in, in, the, in the entrepreneurial world that I, I entered in, which is the fitness world, um, First of all, I'm not a fitness guy. I had no background in fitness other than having to work out for, for work in the military, right. but I don't sure. you know, have an exercise science degree or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And um, I bought into a piece of technology that is brilliant. It's, it's essentially the golden, the golden goose, the holy grail of strength training. And the hardest part has been that, you know, when we bought this, the company Max out from, it was almost in bankruptcy from the inventor uh, down in Florida, it was originated as actually invented at the University of Florida. The problem was that the technology was so difficult to, to manufacture and it was cost laden and it was a 500 pound piece of equipment that attaches to existing equipment. So imagine a six foot high tower, uh, weight stack tower that weighs 500 pounds attached to a squat rack. Right. Um, it's, it's, it's got a big footprint. It's expensive to make. Um, We didn't know that when we bought the business, we weren't thinking about that, Um, but we opened gyms using this technology Mm -hmm. Um, for us to make eight of them for our gym, that's uh, almost $100,000 for us to do that. Um, The plan was we were going to open these gyms, offer this workout, which is a once a week strength training workout, which is an amazing program. It works Mm -hmm. still to this day. Um, And then franchise it. That was the plan Mm -hmm. Um, through some bad business partnerships, through... All the, you know, the normal entrepreneurial highs and lows, um, you know, several million dollars later, we're still keeping our head afloat and we're actually on our way out of a a real bad downturn. And, uh, but the reality is, is that, you know, we started something that, that changed lives. Mm -hmm. We may not have made a lot of money at it as a business, but we have people that, that have trained with us that are um, healthy human beings, uh, professional athletes. Wow. Um, people with neurological, neuromuscular injury and disease that we've helped get stronger and have amazing lives and successful careers in sports and, mm-hmm. and in, in other areas that while we may not have figured out how to make a lot of money at it,
1: mm-hmm.
2: the number yeah, of people that we've impacted is immense. Right.
1: Yeah.
2: And about two, three years ago, we applied for three patents on a new device that is replacing the 500 pound behemoth. And nice. we received two of three patents. We're waiting on the third. Um, and we're launching a new device, uh, which is about 65 pounds and is about the size of a piece of carry-on luggage
0: yeah. okay. that
2: does more than what the 500-pound piece does. And the Pittsburgh Steelers have partnered with us to be our launch partner. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we're very excited about where we're heading.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: we're no longer in the franchising business. We're no longer going to be going down that road because of the the difficulties that come from trying to... Um, systemize something and then getting someone else to follow the system the exact same way you wanted them to follow. I just didn't think in my heart of hearts that I could get somebody to recreate me Mm -hmm. in every location in order to make it work. Um, Mm -hmm. So we're going to manufacture equipment, not worrying about competition or anything like that. So LA fitness, if they want to buy some or or anybody else can. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's kind of where we're heading now is is more of a manufacturing equipment type business, but it took nine years and helping a lot of people to get us to the point where we realized That this is where we were meant to
1: be. Yeah, that's really awesome. It, sometimes it takes some uh, going through hurdles to know what you don't want to go into, and franchising clearly was not your path. So, I like it. and, and it's
2: it's funny because the, you know there's three of us that started the business. Two are left. One um, unceremoniously got exiled off the island because of some um, real bad business decisions he made for himself that affected us. Yeah. Um, we realized what we didn't know. We thought we knew <laughs> was actually not what we were supposed to be doing. Right. Um, and mm-hmm. it wasn't because none of us were in fitness. None of us were ever in franchising. None of us had ever done anything like this. We just thought we, we knew what we wanted to do. And, mm-hmm. um, had we not tried and failed, I don't think we would have ever achieved where we're at now. Right. Um, uh, and I'll, I'll tell you one quick story about how we help people. Please. I just, I just got, um, I have a client. I work with a nonprofit that that helps pay for people who have neurological, neuromuscular injuries or disease who no longer can get insurance-funded physical therapy. They come to me, and I work with people with strokes and cerebral palsy and ALS and MS and a bunch mm-hmm. of other um, ailments. And one of my clients is a 31-year-old female with uh, cerebral palsy, mm-hmm. and. A couple months, uh, about a month and a half ago, I posted a video on Instagram of her bench pressing 225 pounds. Now she's 31, can't use her legs for any type of bracing or support. Um, She uses arm crutches to walk and she bench presses 240 pounds. That's Um, crazy. So I posted on Instagram and I, you know, hashtag cerebral palsy and and a couple other Mm -hmm. things. And somehow the director of track and field for the US Olympic team for the Paralympics Mm -hmm. saw the video and reached out to me and said, I've never seen anyone, a female do that before, let alone somebody who has cerebral palsy and can't utilize the lower half of her body to help push that weight. Is it true? And I said, yes, it's true. She goes, would she be interested in throwing shot put? And I'm like, I I have no idea. I don't even know if we've ever (laughs) even, I don't know if she's even thought about it. So long story short, I I figured out how to sort of seatbelt her onto a plyo box and I bought a shot put And we threw the other day for the second time, and I know nothing about throwing a shot but All I said was throw it this far, and I stood where (laughs) I wanted to throw it. And and long story short, she, with after maybe an hour and twenty minutes of instruction, uh, her distance she threw would have qualified her for the Olympics in 2016. Wow! Oh my god! So needless to say, I think (laughs) we've got a, a a 2020 Paralympian. On our hands, and she's going to be uh, nice. hopefully once we get her certified. And the way they do in the Paralympics, they classify you in in categories based mm-hmm. on your your disease, your limitations, so that you're competing within people that have the same right. limitations. So that's not you know there may be eight shot put classifications for women, right? right. And you you only compete within your your classification. Right. So within her classification, she would have placed fourth in the 2016 Olympics.
1: That is insane. And that's yes.
2: with no instruction. And So, oh um, so yeah. I'm a, little to... bit
1: of, I'm a little bit of a softie. I'm about to start crying. <laughs> so, please.
0: <laughs> if I was there imagine, in Arizona with you, I'd give you a hug. But
1: <laughs> Oh, man. But
0: imagine
2: crazy. when you lived your life different. Yeah. Every second of your life was different from everybody else. You never – she didn't walk. I had her walk across the stage to receive an award in April. Um, she said she wanted to walk without her crutches so she with holding my hand she walked 20 feet to a podium
0: Mm -hmm. um
2: because that's what i promised her she would do and but imagine that that was her that was her coup de grace of her life right Uh, now she thinks and will be a freaking olympian yeah Yeah. like that's ridiculous to me (laughs) and and i love what my business does yeah whether i ever make a penny at it Right. Now, granted, I'd love to, but if sure. I never make a penny on it, <laughs> I will die knowing mm. that the 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 decision I made in two thousand nine to take one hundred fifty thousand dollars that I didn't own and invested in something that was reckless because I had no idea what I was doing, mm. but I did. I worked out once on that equipment. I said, whatever that is, is going to work.
1: Yeah.
2: And and I stuck with it myself and my partner, Chase and Gregs, and. We he's the thank God he's got money because if not we'd have been under a long time ago. Uh, and he believes in me and I believe in him. And that's yeah. that's what partnerships are about. And sure. we both want to do well with the world. And we don't want to just make money and, and leave it in our pockets and not really have affected or impacted anybody. So it's important for us to have that component to our business is that it's it's doing something positive for others. So going into the transitioning into the the manufacturing side, we're never going to not be doing what we're doing. We're Mm -hmm. just not going to open a bunch of them.
1: Yeah. Right. Right.
0: Now a word on our sponsor, the national police credit union. There are more ways to save at the national police credit union from saving for a rainy day to building that nest egg for retirement. They have the saving products that law enforcement officers need to build a bright financial future. From share accounts to money markets, as well as IRAs and share certificates, uh, as well as a financial planning and education center. When it comes to helping law enforcement families save for their future, the National Police Credit Union means police business. Learn more at their website, which is simply www.nationalpolicecu.com.
1: Well, um, I also understand that you're on a mission to create leaders and er- eradicate bullying, which is personally very important to me. I was bullied pretty horribly as a child, uh, but eradicated from every school across the country. What is that program? like?
2: Yeah, well, I can't get into too many details because it's, uh, I actually had an idea. Um, stolen from me because I, I allowed everybody the blueprint and then yeah. the blueprint was taken and, and it's now being used at another school um, without attributing it to me. But I can give you the 35,000 foot overview. Please. Um, you know, obviously having a brother who was autistic and stuttered um, in a time when there was no autism or he was retarded. That's what he right. was considered back then. Um, right. Bullying was big in our, our world. I was bullied. Mm-hmm. Um, I was short. I was five foot four in ninth grade. I'm six, three now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I was smart. Um, wasn't overly athletic. Um, I played all the sports, but I wasn't very good. And my brother obviously with his issues um, got bullied every day and we lived in public housing. Yeah. So it was uh, um, not a nice area. Mm-hmm. So um, bullying is very important to me um, and, and trying to stop it has been always been something I've worked towards. I've been mentoring kids since, um, I was, I became a cop because a, a cop mentored me in high school. So it's something I've always done um, as a police officer, but it was always more of a, an honor of the, my mentor. Sure. Right. And I've created over the last seven, eight years, um, a leadership mentorship program that I've deployed at max out and then taken out into the schools locally um, that goes and help kids become leaders through mentorship and through, um, understanding their strengths and weaknesses and understanding where they have their best opportunities for success and, and building a, a foundation for them that they can always lean on when things get tough. Cause kids life, everything is magnified as the single worst thing on the planet, no matter what it is.
1: Right, right. Um,
2: And trying to teach them how to manage those highs and lows by, by falling back on the, the things that they know are true.
1: Right. Their,
2: their strengths, their weaknesses, their faith, their, um, what they're, what they can always rely on in mm-hmm. their life. Mm-hmm. Um, Through that process, I, I created a replicatable process that mm-hmm. can be instituted in schools. And it started originally with how do I take me and put me in every school? Mm-hmm. And then I realized I was having the same problem that I was having with franchising <laughs> was that I can't take me and replicate me. Right, right. Um, at least I didn't think I could. And yeah. then I realized there was a position, there's a role that I came in contact with somebody who who um, exposed me to this this opportunity. And if I can get every school to create this role, Mm -hmm. and it's, it's, it's very specific. And if I could tell you, and I wish I could, it is ingenious, but yet so simple. Mm -hmm. And when I institute this, and there's two schools out in Western PA that are doing it without school district approval, there, there's Mm -hmm. two people that are in this role that are doing it, and it's working immensely well. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's another school in New Jersey that's been doing it. And it's amazing. It's so simple, but it's amazing. And if we can get every kid, if, if I told you I could take a role and institute it into your school, or put it into your school and immediately get 55 to 60% of your kids buying into it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So six out of every 10 immediately. Yes. And you start taking the consistent messaging of selfless service of empathy and kindness and servant leadership and um, in school Um, servant leadership and out of school servant leadership. Mm -hmm. Um, And you create that environment and you're consistently presenting that every day to a kid. And you're showing them how this benefits them. Mm -hmm. And then you prove it Mm -hmm. and then they buy in and then they go out and they get other kids. They use peer pressure in a positive way. Right. Instead of of in a negative way. And you can then, I I think within 18 months I could have 80% of a school buying into a program that is not only beneficial to them in mentally, physically, and emotionally, but it creates a unification that is missing in school. School is 100% about exclusion, not yeah. inclusion.
1: Right. Yeah.
2: You have the AP kids, the honors kids, the general ed kids, the special ed kids, you have key club, this club, band, sports, this team, that team, it's all about exclusion.
1: Right.
2: It's about putting somebody in a box and that's the box you're in.
1: Right.
2: And this goes outside of that and it creates, mm-hmm. you can be in all those things mm-hmm. and still be in this box. Right. And this box is the most powerful box and it's going to change an entire generation of leaders. It's going to create a a ripple effect so that in 18 months, if I can get every school in the country doing it, every kid that comes from that moving forward will Mm -hmm. be affected by that. And it's a generational change and it will eradicate bullying, not by changing the bully, Mm -hmm. but by changing the mindset of the potential victim. Right. I'm not, gonna, I'm not going into the home of some bad kid who's got a crappy parent and, right. a, sh- and a crappy right. home life and right. try to change them. What I'm trying to do is say, if you want to be better, I'll give you that opportunity. And right. when you become better, the bully no longer has anybody to feed off of. Right.
1: Right. So when this is like super successful, can I be in your entourage? Like, I just want to be able to say like, me and Matt go way back. We're That's like it. super good friends. <laughs> <laughs> <It's-> <laughs> i'm just it's amazing we need more people like you is the point of my thank
2: you thank you and i I, i'll be honest with you in 2002 Mm -hmm. this wouldn't have been the guy you saw yeah Yeah. the guy you saw was was talking about everything he could possibly do reckless yeah and then that was what i fell back on that was my i Mm -hmm. love being in a bar telling stories about Mm -hmm. war stories and, and this call and that call and i jumped out this window tackled this guy and but all I was doing was trying to challenge God to take me and to yeah. either that or, or or show me grace. And right. thankfully, I got that, and now I'm able to take a purpose again that I was missing, right. and and find every day a value where I can use that purpose to benefit somebody else. And in return, I feel good. I mean, that's mm-hmm.
1: oh yeah. Fine
2: if, yeah. if 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 they said they got nothing from it, but right. um, that feeling of, of of joy when I know mm-hmm. that I just impacted somebody's life, even if it was for a moment, right. Um, I use that, and it just fill it fills me every day. It's
1: invaluable. It's fulfilling. it's yeah, there's nothing like it, yeah,,
0: yep. yeah, it's interesting what you say, and it just uh, I, one of the reasons I love this show is because I learned so many things from our guests and, and ideas and and new things come into my mind is I never really thought of it that way that school is all about exclusion. You know, in fact, uh, my dad was a high school teacher for well over 40 years. And, yeah, I think we've, we've all experienced bullying on some level. Uh, in, in grade school, I was a huge loner. We moved when I was in first grade and I didn't have any friends. And Through, you know, eight years of, of Catholic grade school and junior high, I still really didn't make that many friends. There's nobody that I talked to from from that era. But then, you know, when I got into high school and I deliberately went to a high school well away from where the grade school was so I could start from scratch – and I made a number of friends. But what was interesting about that high school is it was the largest uh, Catholic high school in the city of Chicago. So while it was still, it, it still kind of lived on that, you know, exclusion idea but there were so many different niches that you know, you could find your group you know <laughs> you know if, mm-hmm. if you if you know if you couldn't find a group in that school a school of thousands of, of kids you know then yeah there was probably <laughs> maybe an issue with you but everybody kind of found their own group um, so it's kind of interesting that you say that and it's, it's kind of clicking in my in my head a little bit but, but switching gears, because this is a law enforcement show, and it is, darn name of it is Beyond the Call. You know, we hear you went beyond the call, and we love hearing feel-good stories, that you actually helped deliver a baby in the parking lot of a TD bank. Um, that's oh. that's that's an issue because it's not a, a parking lot of a credit union and and this is right. by the national Police we can
2: change we can change the name the Nobody yeah,
0: yeah you gotta
1: you gotta <laughs> move mob to a credit union parking lot yes so i can't
0: can... i can't help you here but you know right over there uh but tell us about <laughs> that <laughs> well
2: that that's one of the ones you never want to do twice <laughs> i can imagine I, i've been on every call there is i've been on you know murders and I've had a guy kill himself in front of me I've been mm. on everything you could possibly think of the whole gamut yeah. Yeah. and one that I'd never been on I'd been on many of you know as, as a cop you go and assist EMS on on ambulance calls and at least right. in our towns in Pennsylvania there's a lot of co cooperation between police and EMS mm. and we always get calls for for labor but it's always like contractions or you know something like there's they're never actually actively having a baby right and if they are that happens in the ambulance it doesn't happen when you're there so it's six in the morning it's winter um get a call for a maternity in the parking lot of the td banks like 6 a.m and i get done at seven and i'm like all right i'll go down there and i, I roll up and i see uh it was like a Toyota Camry or something like that. And um, the passenger side door is open. There's a woman standing uh, between the, the, the seat and the, and the open door. And I walk up and I'm like, Hey, I hear we're having a baby. And she turns around and she goes, we are. <laughs> and, away and I see a woman in the pasture front, pasture passenger seat with one foot between like the door and the door jam where the doors open and then one on the dash. And you know, leg spread and and i He's see about like to the, have
1: a baby i see the head of a
2: like the crowning of the baby and i'm like oh
1: crap um, <laughs> it's happening yeah
2: i said so we're having a baby like having having a baby yeah. <laughs> yes and um in the back seat were two kids like four and five three and four oh, years old no. so i got them out and put them in the back of the police car said mom's gonna be fine and i go back and i get down on my knees and i put my hands under my one hand underneath there and the other hand i have on like holding onto her arm and I'm looking at her and, and I'll be honest with you to this day I have no idea what she looked like at that time. Like I don't remember her face yeah. at all. Right. And, and I'm just telling her I said, please yeah I'm like and I can hear the, like the blacked sirens. out. Yeah. yeah but I can hear the sirens. Yeah. And I just remember saying please don't push just do not push. <laughs> Whatever you do don't push. And she's screaming at me. Yeah. She's like you're all I've got I gotta push. And I'm like no 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 here listen listen those are, those are the guys that really know how to do this I'm like the guys that me. know
0: what, what they're doing are like almost here right.
1: they're coming
2: they're here like hold out and I'm like this isn't the face of the guy you want delivering your baby and she's like you're it I'm pushing she starts to push on the go crap and and I'm not wearing gloves and it, you, you can only imagine the scene so i get to the point where the baby's you know up until like the waist is out. Oh. Oh wow! And and I they pull up and I'm like fellas now I need some help because they got out like thinking the same thing I did that it's like uh, you know maternity call or whatever I'm like dude I got half a baby in my hand <laughs> wow. so the story gets good later so she has the baby
0: it gets and
2: everything's good. fine
0: You're yes right. like I said I
2: didn't remember her face I had no idea what she looked like. Uh, I never heard from her afterwards, um, mm-hmm. immediately afterwards, I just knew that the baby was fine. I, a friend of mine from the once told me. Um, so three years later, I'm at a local restaurant in town mm-hmm. and having lunch and it's Mother's Day. And I have my back to the front door and I, I hear this, Officer Kubler. And I stand up and I'm like, can I help you? And she's holding a baby. Oh. And she looks at me like, excuse me, you don't recognize me? <laughs> And we had she a very leaves,
1: intimate moment. Together. Right. She leads the
2: baby forward. She's like, the baby? And I went, oh, oh, crap.
0: Is that Isaac? And
2: the baby's name was Isaac. Yeah. Uh, he goes, yes. Would you like to hold him? I'm like, yeah. So that's the yeah. first time I got the hold. Wouldn't him be the first time. <laughs> right. Yeah, second time. I only held half of him the last time. Sure. Um, but yeah, so three years later on Mother's Day, um, I saw him for the first time. And then we stayed connected since. And, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, so it's it's pretty cool. So that's the story. I, I love the moment of delivering a baby. I'll, I'll
1: pass. I don't want to do another. <laughs> one. But, Not your favorite thing to do. <laughs> it's
2: just way too much pressure. Like I. Like, it's a lot of pressure and the yeah. baby wasn't like i didn't know if he was breathing or not breathing yeah i didn't know what i should do if he's not breathing like is okay. he supposed to be crying now i don't know if he's not crying why isn't he right. crying
1: like, <laughs> hey. i thought i
2: was gonna hurt this thing i'm like i don't yeah. want to be that person responsible for that so
1: and god Apparently, forbid you're coming out the wrong way oh yeah. my
0: god i don't even know what i would have done yeah they're
1: right i'm out. i'm checked out after oh, yeah. that but,
0: uh, <laughs> can't they can't they I just get a robbery call or something like that something something i can handle <laughs>
2: Okay. i'll take 10 terrorists on an airplane
0: <laughs> right yeah.
2: oh yeah i'm good that. i i trained for that <laughs> yeah i, can I was do gonna say myself. you
0: have training for that <laughs> yeah
2: delivering babies we were just told you know this is uh Catch? wait for the ambulance <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hold and pray you know yeah. so there wasn't a lot of a lot of effort in that one the training
1: that's good
0: Wow, yeah, that's an awesome story. Um, you know, I don't even I don't even have an easy segue from from that because it's thrown me <laughs> for such a little So I'm just I'm just gonna do the easy thing and throw it back to Casey because I know at this point of the show we we have a little bit of a lightning round and I know it's it's not going to throw you off at all because it's it's well, well more tame <laughs> than, than <laughs> delivering a baby. So Casey, take it away.
1: <laughs> yes. Um so so we do a, a little lightning round where I ask some questions and uh you just kinda answer answer them off the cuff. Um if you can't think of anything it's okay. Don't be alarmed. I
2: think I'll be all right. <laughs> I think so too. I think you'll be all fine. right
1: so number one <laughs> yeah number one your favorite fictional crime fighter of all time so it could be a human an animal a superhero or a machine
2: well i don't know if he's a crime i, I consider him a crime i'm a jason bourne guy
1: Ooh, oh, okay i yeah.
2: could come back if i could come back as anybody it'd be jason bourne jason
1: bourne i like it he's a good one all with right. or
2: without number the memory
0: t-
1: well,
0: <laughs> right. I
2: could care less. I, his skill set is. <laughs> right, is, right. I, I've, I've tried my hardest to replicate that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. All right. Number two uh the best buddy cop movie or TV show?
2: Mm, buddy cop movie. Probably The Other Guys.
1: Oh, oh that's yeah. funny. That's
2: yeah. so funny. I'm a, a Will Ferrell guy. So yeah. um, he is
1: so silly. Oh, my goodness. I was watching Daddy's Home the other day. That's gross. It's hilarious. He's ridiculous. I, I named
2: my little side note. I named the first two companies I ever created off of the Step Brothers movie. So, <laughs> um, I, uh, I, own, awesome. I own Prestige Worldwide. Yes. I LLC in Pennsylvania, and I own Huff and Doback, L.L.C., <laughs>
1: <awesome>. <laughs> well fun fact about me my um my wi-fi at home is did we just become best friends <laughs> yep <laughs>
0: yep so, yeah, every time drives? someone has
1: to click <laughs> on it they love it yeah that's nice so uh number three what is your definition of a hero wow
2: i've been told i have a hero complex um and i do
1: um
2: <laughs> For me, a hero is anybody that's willing to step up and step out in front when someone needs them. Um, Doesn't matter if it's um, as a mentor or jumping in front of a car to save a kid. Um, If you're willing to step up and step out for another person, then you're a hero.
1: I love it. Great answer. All right, so number four, who would you say is your hero or the person you admire the most?
2: Obviously my brother. and you know everything I do in my life is in honor of him so um and then secondly in 1a 1b whatever uh, my mm-hmm. mother, um my yeah. mother and she you know single mom raised two boys one with special needs and one with an attitude problem so <laughs> uh, my mother is a saint and uh, yeah. she had her 74th birthday yesterday so we celebrated with her. So, That's uh, awesome. yeah she's she's amazing yeah.
1: yeah happy birthday mom Well, wish her a happy birthday for us yeah, yeah. I will that's great she's a special lady boys are no picnic that's for sure
2: not not me and my brother
1: (laughs) yeah well i know your brother would be very proud of everything you've done so Um, Um, but yeah so in go ahead yeah go ahead ken i'm sorry
0: no i was just going to say i i know he's proud um and uh I'm, i'm very pleased to to see that the hero complex is is actually being put into action to do some some right. real heroes work so so thank you matt mm-hmm. for for that thanks Ken. i appreciate that
1: yeah um and lastly where can they find you all of these things you talked about book you got all these things
2: yeah everything's on my website uh okay. www.mattkubler m-a-t-t-c-u b as in boy b as in boy l-e-r.com uh, my book uh, max out uh, speaking anything is on is on the website.
1: Awesome. Got it. And now put
2: when I get a copy of this, um, the link, it'll go on the website as well. So things on there as well for all my podcasts and stuff. Terrific. And in my podcast. Ooh, that's coming yeah, out the number 5th. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait. I'm so excited. I've been, you know, this is my fifteenth podcast I've done since May.
1: Wow. Um,
2: and um I did it for many reasons. Obviously, it's um it's great exposure, mm-hmm. um, for marketing wise and my brand, but also so I could figure out how I wanted to do mine. And, right. um, I, I'm going to take the best from everybody's, mm-hmm. um, kind of use pieces of them, um, right. to build mine and mine's called two dates and a dash podcast, I
0: like um,
2: it. based off of the fact that we're born and we die. And those are the two dates and what you do with the dash is the most important right. part. Um, this is the thing you have control over. Um, yeah. So it's it's going to be, um, it's still in the evolution phase as far as how it's going to be set up, but I think it's going to be um, partially Facebook Live. Okay. Um, I'm mm-hmm. using a, a, a software that allows me to, to stream live, but it's only going to be for 20 minutes on the on the live part. And then if you want to hear the rest of the podcast, you'll have to go and download the audio mm-hmm. um, in order to hear the remaining part. And I think I'm trying to do it that way in order to get um, the Facebook exposure sure. as well. then mm-hmm. also getting driving people to, to the site so they actually have to finish hearing um, the rest of the show the mm-hmm. on the audio. So it's gonna be about 40, 45 minutes. Um, mm-hmm. Storytelling is gonna be the, the basis of it. So I'm gonna have people just become storytellers and try sure. to take people on a journey that allows them to feel and, and, and understand what it was like at the moment when it was happening. Right. Um, and my first guest is a buddy of mine who was uh, uh, an Iraqi war hero. Who uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of the book, The Long Road Home. Um, by Martha Raditz. Uh, Some, somehow ABC it does News. sound
0: familiar, yeah. Mm.
2: Yeah, it was a New York Times bestseller. Um, Martha okay. Raditz from ABC News wrote it. Um, and then there was a Nat Geo eight part series on the, on the book that was made, a movie series, um, with John Ritter's son was a was lead.
1: Um, oh, yeah.
2: And uh, so, and, and my buddy Reggie, there was a guy that played him. And um, so, it, we're going to talk, he's going to tell that story. Okay. And, uh, so, that's going to be my first guest. Mm-hmm. Um, I got quite a few other pretty pretty high profile names mm-hmm. coming on um, that have amazing stories, and and ultimately it's about people that are are living their dash and, right. and doing so in a servant type of yeah. way. And uh, you know, I'm I'm excited because it's going to be a chance for me to help other people as as I've been helped this past summer right. from people like you.
1: Right. Right. Well, no, I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, that's terrific. Thanks for sharing that journey. And and Casey's always getting ideas. Maybe you could do a podcast, uh, Casey and the Two Bald Guys, or something like that. That's it. <laughs> yeah. That's, we, could uh,
2: do, we could go do karaoke, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> i yeah.
0: And then nobody would stay at the bar.
1: Um, My... oh, I got a
2: voice. I got pipes,
0: brother. I
2: got pipes.
1: Do you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> My singing voice is pretty bad, so.
2: <laughs> you guys can lip sync. I'll carry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There you go. I'll
1: do there like you go. backup dance moves. Hey,
2: that's hey. I was told it's 90% stage presence. That's right. I can that's see
0: right. that. Well, well, I told I told Casey once when they had all this, um, uh, what was it, lips the lip sync challenge around the country oh, yeah. with all these police officers. I was gonna challenge Casey, but she didn't. She she didn't come along on that one, but that's fine. But <laughs> but well, most. I, we're not-
1: <laughs> I did. One, we're not police uh, officers. I got ninety thousand
2: views on mine. Nice. Ninety you- on my lip sync. Yeah. Nice. I did. Uh, I did uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Okay. Uh, oh, that's such a good one. With, um, I know every I word. Will Smith, so Smith. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, I, I, because I'm a Philly guy. So Sure. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I got 90,000 views. So, it was, it was pretty That's
1: amazing.
2: Yeah. Cool.
0: Cool. Yeah. Well, I would have
1: had 10 views, which is solid, but that's cool. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yourself and and your nine friends and family around <laughs> exactly
1: the friends that i told to look at it yeah please
0: please view life. this but uh yeah. but we know we know a number of people are gonna view and listen to this you know matt thank you so much for for sharing your journey um and sharing a lot of good information uh for us and our audience so thank you for being a great guest matt
2: it's a pleasure thanks for uh taking my message on facebook and allowing <laughs> me to come on
0: Not a, not a problem. And Casey tell people where they can find beyond the call.
1: I sure will. So, um, as, uh, thank you again, Matt, for, for being here. um, excuse me, as, as Ken mentioned, we are sponsored by the National Police Credit Union. So certainly visit our website at nationalpolicecu.com. Uh, to get to our podcast specifically, go to nationalpolicecu.com forward slash podcast, and it'll take you right there to all the episodes. So uh, check out those in addition to, to Matt's awesome episode. But while you're there, uh, look at all the news, promotions, updates that we have going on. The savings and loan rates are always excellent. Be sure to share this podcast, rate it on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, and if you have any questions or comments that you'd like us to cover or a guest that you think would be a great feature for the podcast, go to our podcast page on nationalpolicecu.com uh, forward slash podcast and you could submit someone right there. So we look forward to hearing from you. You all have a great week and stay safe out there.
0: Bye, everybody.